What I was really wanting to speak about today was the 100-year uh, prophecy that was mentioned, Karen mentioned, in the Speak to the Nation book. Um, give you a bit of background to that because I think it's very vital for what we do here. Um, and I'll tell you why as we go on. So it involves a wee bit of... It's all come together. It involves a wee bit of testimony. So I don't want to give you my whole testimony because we'd be here till whenever. Um, but what I do want to do is give you um, as much as I can uh, pertinent and relevant to the, uh, the remnant, uh, which is the main thing. So I'll just kind of start off as a teenager. In fact, as a wee baby or a, or a wee kid, I remember having an experience and later on, it'll, you'll see why it's important. I remember having an experience of being taken up into heaven. And I remember sitting there in the courts of heaven, and it was like I was waiting for somebody. And it's a very vivid memory I have. Um, and then later on, as a teenager, because I was a bit of a tour rag at school, and as a teenager, I started to get really... Um, drawn to the Lord. I'd always felt God's hand in my life, all my life. Um, and I even had a Christian teacher who prophesied st some stuff over me. I didn't realise at the time that's what she was doing. Uh, but as a teenager, I used to go up to my mum and my mum and dad's house, go up to my bedroom and I would lie in my bed and I would have visions, um, visions of revival, frankly. And I wasn't even saved. I wasn't a Christian. And I would have visions of the time we're living in right now. Exactly this time, I would have visions. This is 40-odd years ago. I know it's hard to believe that I'm that old. Um, but I would have these visions of... And what I always saw in my visions was the remnant. I always saw the remnant in my visions. And being part of that remnant. And I had an understanding in my spirit what it meant, but I wasn't entirely sure what I was seeing, if you like. But I knew... And it actually inspired me as a teenager. I used to... Actually, we had a public speaking contest in school um, and that was just for the eggheads in school, intellectuals and stuff. I never... So when I entered it, they were all laughing. The teachers were saying, oh, because they thought I was going to just do a like stand-up routine or something because I was the, the class clown in a lot of ways. Um, Agnes says I can't tell jokes, but... So I was always the, the wisecracker in, in class. So when I did this... Um, public speaking thing. There was all these people speaking about things. And I had a tract. I don't know if I remember. Remember, I used to get tracts. And I don't know if I remember. It was quite a famous one, What's Wrong With Britain? And it had a Union Jack and a dustbin. That was in the front. I would remember it. And I got this tract, and it was all about Britain needs to turn back to God and stuff. So I preached that. And all my, t my teachers, they're all sitting like that. Because they thought I was going to come away with some... Crazy, you know, wisecracking thing, and you could have heard the pin drop. And I got, I got a perfect. I actually won it. I got a perfect score. Um, that was my first sermon. And that's how I was. And my message hasn't changed all these years. I don't think I'm preaching anything different to what I preached that day. But I did get very involved, um, and and just again at school, and I was. I started putting it. Uh, printing off wee magazines and stuff like that, um, and try to get people saved. 
But I wasn't sure that I was saved. So when I left school, um, I, kinda, I went forward at a Louis Palau crusade and um, get in touch with the Apostolic Church. But I fell away for a few months and then I, I just felt God's hand still on me. So I, th- I thought, I don't even know if I'm born again. Because that was the thing back then. Are you born again? You know? So I thought, I don't even know if I am. And it, it agonised me. It was a wee bit like, I suppose it was the Calvinist thing. Are you, you know, are you one of the elect? And I think that was a big thing for me. So I, I really um, agonised over, am I saved? So I remember very clearly, 40 years ago, what, yesterday, um, at the end of a sort of long weekend, really thinking it through, I knelt by my bed and I started to pray. And I heard God saying to me, ask my son to wash in his blood. That's what I heard the father saying. I knew it was the father. So I prayed that, and then and I got up from there. As they say, my burden was lifted, and that was, and I knew I was born again. I don't know if I was born again before that. I genuinely don't, but I know that was when I made that commitment. So that was me, and I went into the apostolic. Um, and that the reason I'm mentioning that is, as, as we go on, I'll, that'll become quite important in a sense. But I went to apostolic church. I'm missing out big things here. And back then, the apostolic church was very, the church I went was very supernatural. All kinds of supernatural things were happening. Um, it wasn't just, you know, uh, it wasn't dead. It certainly wasn't. There was supernatural stuff happening all the time. And then eventually went into, more I would say, the charismatic world. Um, went to King's Church and Motherwell, places like that. Um, but in 1993, uh, I started going to Victory and I had a conversation with Alec Gillis and this is where it starts to get quite interesting and starts to feed into the 100 year prophecy thing. So I goes to Victory and I get quite friendly with Alec because I was, Alec was trying to get off uh, the ground at a Christian radio station and I was the PR man because that was my background so I had an office in Victory so Alec and I used to hang out and I remember having this conversation with, in his office this day, and Alec doesn't remember this, does he? Does not remember this at all. Uh, but he was encouraging me at the time. I said, what, what do you want to do? And I was I want to get into full-time ministry. So he encouraged me to do that. He says, well, you need to start somewhere. So, so I decided that I was going to formally and officially start a, a, a ministry. So I went before the Lord and I said, uh, what do I call it? And I wanted to call it Living Word. Somebody had pinched that, and I won't, won't mention who, but so right away the Lord said to me, call it Living Fountain, and I was like, that's a rubbish name, Lord, that, that, that's, I'm not calling it that, that's, that's, that's lame, you know, that's how I was thinking, so he said, no, call it Living Fountain, so I did, and so that was that, so we went, I got it all sort of formally set up, um, and then, you know, good few years went by and um, I was really involved in other ministries and leadership at the time. But eventually started uh, pastoring myself um, and we had uh, Love and Fountain as it was called in a few places. Um, and But what happened was was that, and this is where it starts to get quite interesting if it's not interesting so far, um, I got I went to a bookshop in Pays, it was a second-hand bookshop, and there was a book in it uh, by a guy called John McPhee, Reverend John McPhee, 
and it was a book about, um, it was over many decades of the 20th century, and it was all about, uh, very similar to Rhys Hills, which we mentioned that wee booklet there, and that they had a ministry that they were praying all, for Britain all through the Second World War and stuff like that. So, but John McPhee said some very prophetic things about Britain in this book that are coming to pass right now and right at this time. So it was very prophetic. So I mentioned this uh, book, which really affected me quite powerfully. Um, and so I'd mentioned it in an article I wrote for a Christian magazine. And uh, the guy who was the editor, Roger, uh, got in touch with me this day and he says, I've been in, had a couple of women in touch with, a woman has been in touch with me, Bill, um, about your article in this in the magazine, the last article. And I says, all right. He says, she says, sorry, he said, is this John McPhee, is it my grandfather? Okay. So I said, well, I don't know. So anyway, I got in touch with a woman. And it, it turns out that this man, John McPhee, was this lady's grandfather. And she had a sister. And they had gone to their father's and their grandfather's church all throughout the, you know, the early part of the 20th century. She was quite old. This is a number of years ago. Um, and they had gone to their, she had gone to their grandfather's church, John McPhee's church which was in Glasgow, in Battlefield. And I actually found out that I used to stay literally round the corner from it. Um, but by that time, it sort of closed or was closing. But cut a long story short, arranged, she started, they started coming, the two ladies, as we call them, the ladies, they started coming to my church at that time. And they seemed very interesting because it was Living Fountain. And that was in Burnbank, Hamilton. And they started coming to it, um, and they were very interested. In, what, what's the name of this place and all this? So anyway, we got, I got to know them, um, and, and Agnes was working for me at that time and was coming to church, and she'd get saved. And So you know, they were really nice ladies, really lovely old ladies. Um, and then after a, a wee while, she said to me, can you come to the house one day? So I went out, to, I think I went out to her house once just for a visit. Then she asked me back, and they were coming, they were, you could call it members of the church by that point, um, and they were just coming, and so I went this day, she says, I'd like to speak to you, so we goes this day, I goes this day and sits down and a cup of tea, all that sort of stuff, and Molly and Jessie, that was her names, they were there, and they said to me, they started grilling me, quizzing me, really asking me all these questions, and they already knew the answers, and I'm sitting going, why are they asking me this? And they asked me a lot, Living Fountain, am I right? Living Fountain. That's it. So after a while, they just asking all these questions. It was quite humorous, because it was like being grilled by, you know, two cops. And they sort of looked at each other and they sort of nodded to each other. So uh, Molly goes through the bedroom, she says, wait there, she comes back. And she came back with this folder. And she said, uh, and, and this is a wee bit of background before I tell you this. The grandfather, John McPhee, he had his own, they had their church in Battlefield. And um, he had been a Pentecostal pioneer. He was originally from Motherwell, and I was staying in Motherwell at the time, so it was quite, he was originally from Motherwell. And he got saved and got into Pentecost 
right at the very start. Now, there was a guy called Bill Hutchison, or William Hutchison, who was a pastor, who he had started the Apostolic Faith Church, which was the precursor to the Apostolic Church, where I used to go. So it was all really interesting to me. But uh, Bill Hutchison, this guy, John McPhee, was his right-hand man in Scotland. And so these guys were at the very start of Pentecost in the 20th century. And they knew Pastor Murdoch and Kosyth and all these, the, 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 you know, the pioneers um, of early Pentecost. And, but he'd have ended up with his own independent church. He split through Bill Hutchison. So they had this church for decades uh, in Glasgow and they had a place in Skelmerley down at large as well. Um, and it was you know, quite a powerful ministry and they, they got loads of visions particularly about the nation, they got revelations, I mean, it was amazing, and prophetic words, many of which are now coming to pass, including the 100-year prophecy, which we'll get to. So that was her grandfather. By this point, I knew that because I'd got his book, and it was just mind-blowing. So, and then they, they showed me pictures of, of their grandfather, and he was the spitting image of Smith Wigglesworth. If you'd said that's Smith Wigglesworth, he'd have been, aye, 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 that's him. So, you know, that very sort of with the Mishrashim. So this was all wonderful. And then she said to me, this is for you, this folder. And so she says, you can, so I opened it up and there was a transcript in it of a prophetic word. And she said to me, this is, she started telling me the background. She says, I've had this for years. She said, when we had the church, she said, for all those decades, she said, they expected a man to come to the church sometime. She said, and to be part of the work. She said, and as they all got older, including their father, and they all died off, they said to her before they closed the church, they said, this man has never shown up, but we believe you'll meet that man. And this, we're giving you this word to, to present to him when you meet him. And the two of them sitting, you know, and so I was okay. And, she, and they said, we believe you're that man. And we've been, she says, and I have, she says, the price I've paid for this word, am I right? She said, and she, you heard the story too. She, although you weren't with me that day, but they told you. She says, I've been attacked night after night in this house by the demonic. She says, and I know it's just because I've got this word. She said, and you know, the price I paid on my marriage and my husband, because he knew we were getting attacked. And it was quite, you know, I'm like, and she said, and this is what she said, and this is then the, the prophecy, the prophecy was given by John McPhee's brother, Richard McPhee. Um, and it was given uh, in December 1920. She said, it's for you. So I was, you know, by this point, really blown away. And I says, how do you know it's me? She says, because we knew that the man, the ministry would be called Fountain. <laughs> and it's in the prophecy, because she says, my grandfather, it says, the branch in the fountain, she says, and my, we all, the grandfather was the branch, 
and they always expected that the man who was the fountain would come. She says they never did, but they, they believed that I would meet him. And she says, and that's why they were quizzing me about the name of the man. They kept asking me, didn't they? Um, and I was like, so the Lord knew what he was doing when he said, call it love, because I thought, and I even said to the Lord, that's a rubbish name. <laughs> you know, I wanted something like, you know, overpowering, you know, of, you know, <laughs> Uh, mighty man of God, or something, you know, mighty, 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 you know, something really, you know, world overcoming faith, or something like that. But, you know, it's like, what's that? It's like what, a woman's name, you know? Um, so I, I argued, but the Lord knew what he was doing. And then they went to all that, the teaching that they used to bring out. And, uh, but the prophecy, so the prophecy is 100 years old. It was 100 years old in December there. And that's where the background is. So we, we'd had. We'd, we'd, I'd called different churches that are pastored in different places, Love and Fountain. Um, but it was, uh, I'll speak about what we're doing this weekend. But it's just interesting because when I got that book, the John McPhee book, I don't know if it was after they'd given me the prophecy or before, but when I was reading the book, the John McPhee book, and of course the prophecy from his brother, but I read the book, and I'm saying to myself, this is very familiar to me. A lot of it was what I was preaching anyway, but there were elements of it that I thought, well, how come I know this stuff? And I believe the Lord said to me, um, when I went before him about it, when I was a wee baby, a wee boy, a wee tiny wee, and I remember going to heaven, the Lord said to me, I gave you that message in heaven when you came that time. But, but you've not been aware of it so much until now. Because that's the message I gave you that I gave the same as I gave that man. So that was, because that, that tied a lot of things up for me in terms of when I, when I went to heaven as a wee, a wee boy. But the book, the book is, is amazing. And you can still get copies sometimes on the internet. I'll, I can share details of that later. But the ladies were quite remarkable. They were quite amazing. And they expanded on a lot of this stuff um, but the prophecy, and I want to get into that, the hundred-year prophecy, because I do mention it in that book. And before I get into it, what I want to say, can, can I just get a copy of that book there? Yes, thank you. Because Cam touched it, and when Cam shared this on the podcast, she actually put something in it that I was glad she did, because that's what I want to mention today. And I was going to do a podcast on this before this meeting, but I'll just left it to now. It says here, some years back I was given the transcript of a prophetic vision from 1920 which spoke of a coming move of God in Britain that would bring forth the man-child company and see the glory of God engulf our nation. And that's really what the prophecy is about. And then it says, the catalyst for this awesome awakening would be a small band of people in Scotland assembling for the purpose of going beyond the veil to pray from the heavenlies and decree God's will for Britain. That's really what the prof prophetic message is about. For various reasons that space does not permit me to share here, and this is what I've put, I believe that small band to be those involved in our Arise Scotland meetings. Now I wrote this, didn't I? Uh, not long after we started Arise, and um, we just assumed the small band because there are things in the word, the prophetic word, that actually align with what we're doing here in this 
this very building. Even physical things described in the prophetic message were found here in this building. But that's what I want to basically say is that, um, and, and I've, not, I've shared this with you folks and I, I'm not hiding anything. We've been disappointed because the Arise Scotland meeting, we still have it. It's still very blessed. We still enjoy it. I'm speaking at it this Saturday um, and it, it's quite well established now. But quite frankly, it's not a remnant group that we would, because as we've shared, some of the folks have been vaccinated, some of the leaders, very sad to say. And we're not here to criticise or condemn, but if I was writing this book just now, I wouldn't say that. I would say that the small band to be those involved in the remnant meetings and what we're doing on a Wednesday. And that, that's just to, to share that. And it's not just in the meeting, because we've got members, that, or members if you want to call them that, folks like Pastor Terry, that are part of our group, but obviously can't always be here for work reasons or geography reasons. So it's not just the Wednesday meeting, but you know, you folks being part of that. So, and I do believe that, because the, the prophecy, uh, Richard McPhee, it was the 10th of December, and we had a, a rise meeting the, on the 11th, I think, of 1920, we had it in 2020. So it was a big deal, the 100 year thing. But I didn't necessarily feel, I shared this with you, then Agnes, that the 100 year thing didn't seem a big deal. It was a big deal to us, but it didn't seem a big deal to the Lord when we had it. But we made a sort of big deal about it because it was 100 years. But the, the transcript was entitled, title, sorry, The Whole Plan of God for the Last Days. And there was, the, the, they had a, the guy had a vision of Scotland, Richard McPhee, on the earth and the name Scotland on it. And then he spoke about a mountain upon the land, which we take to be Shehalion. Amen. And let me just say this about Shehalion. It's not just the physical mountain of Shehalion in Persia. It's what it symbolizes. It's Mount Zion. It's, it's Scotland freed from the cabal freed from witchcraft, freed from darkness, the Scotland that God purposes for the last days, which is to give it that very trite name, considering what God wants to do, revival, awakening, outpouring. Scotland, the glory of God engulfing Scotland. Scotland bathed in glory. And he also mentions the stone of destiny, and it's very interesting because Richard McPhee, this is 100 years ago, and he speaks about the stone and again, we take that to be the Stone of Destiny. A hundred years ago, the Stone of Destiny wasn't in Scotland. It wasn't in Scotland for 700 years. And it only came to Scotland in 1996. Um, which is another interesting year, but the Stone of Destiny was in Scotland in this vision. And if you'd said to somebody, even... 30 years ago, or the Stone of Destiny is coming to Scotland, they just laughed at you. But he prophesied this. So there's something symbolic about that. And of course, the vision was all about the man-child. And I meant to read Revelation 12, but you know the story of the man-child. <laughs> I take it you do know the story of the man-child in Revelation 12, yeah? It speaks about a man King James speaks about a man-child. So we had a meeting and we spoke about the man-child and someone whose name you might know and I will not mention 
um, asked me after it. They thought the man-child was uh, from Rudyard Kipling. He said, no, it's in Revelation chapter 12, okay? So the man-child is what come, coming down from heaven. The man-child is symbolic for the last day's uh, ecclesia of God, the governmental assembly, the body of Christ, if you like, the full body of the remnant people of God in complete authority, dominion, and power in the last days. Read Revelation 12 and you'll see it. There, of course, what it says, they overcame the dragon by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So, and that's in the prophecy as well, the prophetic word. But the clear thing was, he was saying was, that when all these things are going on, these cosmic things, the man-child's coming down from heaven, Scotland, uh, the mountain, the stone, he says, and there will be a little band of people in Scotland who will bring down the man-child. The man-child is just, as I said, symbolic of God's end-time ecclesia walking in the fullness of authority. Does that make sense? Walking in the fullness, and it will be this little band, a remnant band, clearly a remnant band, in the last days, who will be the catalyst for this. Not saying God won't move anywhere else in the earth or in but we believe, we certainly believe it in Arise Scotland, I know some of you guys do too, that everything that God's going to do in the earth will probably start here in Scotland in these last days. The great end time Elijah outpouring, as they call it. All the different names, some people just call it revival or the great end time revival. But it will begin, and, and including the fall of Babylon. And listen, the fall of Babylon is prophesied by the Covenanters as, as beginning in Scotland. Richard Cameron said, that it would happen in the last days, that, the, that Babylon would fall um, and it would begin in Scotland. So this little band of people, so as again, when we're writing this, and at that time we did, because again, before this is before the vaccine. They were talking about vaccine and not long after this and not long after I published this and gave it out to the folks that arise and other people was when I had the, we had the meeting in the, the we hall and I spoke very extensively about the great deception of uh, the merchants or the tycoons of the earth with pharmacia and all these people putting their hand up, I'll not be taking it, I'll not be taking it and many of them have. So again that's why I'm saying if I was rewriting this I would say it should be the remnant that's here, not Arise Scotland. That's just... so. And it said uh, to the little band of Sc people in Scotland who were, if you like, in the, the, the word wasn't used in the prophecy, but they were the catalyst for what God was going to do. And we spoke about that in our meetings, haven't we? Cam's mentioned it, I've mentioned it, other people, um, and even Isabel last week. The, it's all going to kick off in Scotland. And this COP26 thing, I believe, it's no coincidence. And talking about coincidences, I don't believe that I'm saying these things today, one day after my 40 years saved. And 40 years in Scripture is very significant, isn't it? It's interesting, again, just to say, Pastor Terry's 50 years the other day, and Pearl, one of the ladies that comes to our church, she's 67 years old, so it's a week of anniversaries. 
But we didn't time it this way. We didn't, we didn't mean it this way at all. But we had, we had decided that we are going to start uh, Living Fountain. Living Fountain in, in Glasgow, which is separate from what we do in the Sunday. I'm the pastor here of a 150-plus year ministry. But what we're doing on Sunday night or Thursday evening is a, a completely separate thing because we just felt the Lord saying that. And, of course, it, being Living Fountain. So it's all, all the... The different uh, timelines combining. So we're believing God for big things. But in this prophecy, this man-child descended upon the little remnant band uh, with a large box with the word written in it, the plan of the Lord for the last days. And the prophetic message speaks about it. It's very heavy symbolism in the prophecy too. Um, and so it's quite powerful. I, I won't read it out to you. It's a bit long. And it is a bit sacred to me, so the Lord's allowed me to share details of it, but not necessarily make it public, because I was told when I was given it, this is for your private, but I'm allowed to share about it. But in the box was a green branch and a fountain, and they, the, the ladies told me that that meant uh, John McPhee was the branch and myself, bringing that message. And as I said, they always expected all the years that the church was going um, that they always expected that this man they called the fountain would come in and be part of the ministry. And of course, it never happened because I was born much later. Uh, and so it's, it's just, it, was, it blew my mind, it still does. Um, but that was the story of the 100 year prophecy. And as I said, we had great hopes that our Arise Scotland meeting would be that little remnant band. But. Um, so it, it's not happened in the sense of there was a great disappointment for us. Uh, don't get me wrong, we still, the, the Arise Scotland meetings still have the presence of God. There's still an anointing. There's still, uh, in fact, I shared Bert's message the other day, which was wonderful. But, you know, sometimes we, we jump the gun and we think, oh, that's, that's the thing. But folks, I believe that what we're doing is that little remnant band. You know, and that there's a great emphasis that it would just be a small band. So we do want to see God move mightily. Um, we, we do want harvest, don't we? We want you. I'm, I'm still believing for multitudes to come to the Lord. But it might be, and this is how the Lord put it to me a while back. I don't know if I've shared this with you, but because I think, certainly when we started Arise Scotland, which was a year ago, we just saw harvest, harvest, harvest. And, you know, there's millions of people in Scotland and we'll get at least a million of them saved. That was our vision. And there'll just be multitudes, multitudes, multitudes. But then the vaccine. So I believe that the, the harvest will probably come from unvaccinated folks. That's just my personal view, okay? Um, so, because... It's all about seed, and of course, as the Lord put it to me, the best harvest comes from the best seed. When a farmer goes to plant for next season, he doesn't just take any old seed. He doesn't take mediocre seed, or he doesn't say, you know what, I'll sell my best seed and just take that, the dross and I'll try and get harvest from that. He takes his best, a good farmer takes his best seed to plant for the next harvest. 
And as the Lord said to me, um, if you're looking for harvest, then you have to plant your best seed. And I believe that that means that we, we won't, harvest will come, not the way we saw it, if that makes sense. And maybe not as big as we saw it, but we will see it. Uh, don't want to say too much about that, because it got a bit controversial. But the point is that it will come through the remnant. That great end time move, that harvest that we're looking for, that revival, the awakening, whatever you want to call it, there's all these different names for it. But it's going to come through the remnant. It's not going to come through the rump. It's not going to come through, you know, because we just saw it as being, oh, well, all the churches will be filled, you know, even all the ones that are lukewarm and all that. And the Lord said, they're not going to be part of it. Lukewarm Christians, lukewarm churches, you know, business as usual, it's not going to be part of it. The only people that will see the harvest are the remnant. That's what I believe the Lord is saying. Or the harvest that we'll see will come through the remnant, if that makes sense. Because the remnant is his precious seed. And that's what he'll sow for a harvest. So, that's it. I hope that's excited you folks. Uh, there's a lot more to it, but I don't want to take up a lot, a lot of time. We do want to uh, open it up for other folks and to have a time of worship, um, praise, whatever. Uh, just where the Lord can move and speak. And if you, you know, obviously want to share things or pray or whatever, we'll, we'll, we'll have space for all that. But I just wanted to share that because it's, it's vital. It's important to us. Uh, it's very personal to us, but we do believe that, um, that God's going to move. But, and it's not just us. That makes sense. There are other remnant groups, aren't there? There's there, the remnant over in the States. And it's brilliant that we are hooking up with people uh, and networking, to use that wee phrase, uh, with, with other remnant people. Uh, I know some of you are doing that, Karen in particular, speaking in, to remnant people who have got the same impression in their spirit as us that this is a time to keep yourself unspotted. This is a time to, to be set apart and positioned. You know, and... We, we, we refer to that a lot for the Arise meetings, and we still do. Pray, prepare, and position. They're the vital things, aren't they? But they're, they're more applicable now than ever, and certainly applicable to, to remnant folks. To, to be in prayer, to be prepared, and positioned. It's, it's all about where we're positioned at this time. It's all about, you know, being available for, for the Lord, available for the Holy Spirit, and I, I'm, not, I'm not going to apologise for saying this. I don't know you can do that if you've taken this vaccine. I don't know that you can. So, and if people follow me for that, well, I'm not apologising. But I do think it's important that, that we, as a group and as individuals, and that's why it's so great that we're all on the same page, and certainly the, the WhatsApp group is brilliant, the stuff that people post and stuff and, and, and what they share here so but let's keep it going amen so we're we're going to start uh living fountain glasgow on sunday evening um and that's all about positioning as well and as i said we didn't really plan the timing of it. it's just so happened we felt strongly impressed to do it and it's all tied in with the 
40 year anniversary and me getting saved uh, and I think in a nutshell last December we sort of a, it was a misfire for us because we thought oh this is it the 100 year prophecy arrives everything's wonderful but sadly uh, we found with it and, and you know we're still going we're still keeping it going just now um, and you know we all still mix and mingle with people who've had the vaccine we don't condemn or in any way decry them but um, we're here for a reason and we take the stand that we do for a reason amen so that's it folks the lord bless um, and if you want to uh, come up and play just that